to the Fizzle Show! What's up, everybody? Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, people of all shapes, sizes, I don't care if you fit on the standard gender thing. You know what? You come as you are, and you are accepted here, because you know what this place stands for? It stands for freedom. It stands for freedom! Right? I'm just, now I'm thinking about Braveheart, when the guy's just ripping into his belly, and he's, freedom! Still gets me. Still gets me. Because it's amazing because it's this moment where he's like, freedom! And everybody goes, freedom! But then you don't remember how absolutely, like, retching that that scene actually is. It's intense. That was shocking when it happened. It's totally shocking. And speaking of shocking, which is why we brought that up, it was intentional and on purpose, sometimes... Working a job that you hate can feel very shocking. Sometimes waking up every day and going like, what am I doing all this for can feel very shocking. And then you come to and you're like, oh my God, I need to take my life into my own hands. I need to take responsibility for my life. I believe I can do it. I believe in myself, but it's going to be tough. I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything that I need to know yet, but I can start the process. I can start building my own business. And then several years in, you're like, oh my God, like this is almost to a point where I can maybe like quit my day job and do this full time but that would be absolutely insane wouldn't it and then a few years later it's like uh, <laughs> this is where this is going it, it's like oh my god this is amazing I'm living life in my dreams I can work from anywhere this is great and then like a few years later it's like dude taxes suck oh my god and like oh my god like it's so hard to keep a business floating and like geez louise all these all these employees like actually like gee, man they keep raising the minimum wage like what <laughs> right? yeah. so you too can become a conservative if you start your own business <laughs> I'm just kidding I'm kidding starts with freedom and you really covered a lot of ground <laughs> that's what we're about here in Fizzle how do you even start that process when you're in the middle of it like what's the best advice and if it's working or if it's starting to work how do you do it so that it doesn't turn into a drag right and today's episode is no uh, no exception to that we have some great we have a really interesting interesting conversation because it's something us entrepreneurs all struggle with. It's this idea of how do we balance our creativity with, you know, getting stuff done? How do we both have these creative original thoughts and make some freedom space for us to enjoy what we're doing and also set some goals and follow a plan and make some progress, right? So this is what we're getting into today, is how do we balance those two things? But first, I'd like to welcome to the show my co-hosts, the lovely and talented Steph Crowder. Say hi, Steph. Hey, everybody. Hope you guys are having a great day. I'm super excited about today's topic. Steph is always super excited about today's topic. I know, I'm kind of caffeinated, sorry. And I've been working out a lot more lately, so (laughs) I'm going to have to kind of like, it's much earlier in the morning where Chase lives, so I don't know, maybe my noon noon will be Chase's 8 a.m. We could be on the same level, we'll find out. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm sure my mania can reach up uh, beyond, beyond my morning moments, which I haven't even had yet. I'm still just like really coming to. I've had my bone broth this morning, I've had my eggy in a hole. You know, the toast thing where you cut the hole out of it and you crack the egg in and you put it on the skillet. Delicious. Made that for myself. I didn't even make that for one of my kids. I made it for me. (laughs) Are you going to have some ants on a log later? 
<laughs> Corbin, I feel like that was your favorite. Corbin Barr, my other co-host here is Corbin. Uh, was Ants on the Log your favorite childhood snack? No, I actually didn't like it. Raisins for some reason with <laughs> peanut butter. It just doesn't make sense. I feel like I feel like that was like that was the biggest uh I don't know you know I know that like Jesse James like stole I don't know where I'm going with this but honestly to put ants on a log to put raisins on peanut butter on celery and give it in front of a kid give it to a kid it feels like it feels sort of rude Looking back on it, it feels like this was a mistake, it's just a, and we need to take responsibility for our actions. There need to be reparations that, that that can be made to a lot of these kids that were that were told this was a delicious thing. But think about it: dry peanut butter, like you know, fibery ass uh, celery, mm. and then like raisins just like floating on the top. Yeah, it's a weird combo. To be honest, though, I'm going to give some to my kids later on. Do for it. sure. Do I it. haven't thought about that in a long time. Uh, Corbett, where are you in the world right now? I'm uh, in Mexico. Still. I, I'm just going to hang wow. out here all year, maybe, this this time. <laughs> He's wow. never coming back. <laughs> I took I took a little yeah. side trip to Mexico City this last weekend. It was a blast. Uh, you know, got some culture. And now I'm just hanging out at the beach again in hammock and uh, ocean breezes land. You Rough got like life. one piece of advice for anybody who's who's curious about traveling to Mexico City? Uh, one piece of advice is uh, don't be scared. It's like a big, comfortable, easygoing city. I mean, it is massive, and there are certain parts that I'm sure are not necessarily fun, but the inner part of the city is just vibrant and, and full of great food and cocktails and coffee like you'd find in any good city. Wow. Love it. Okay, guys. So let's get into this concept today of balancing creativity with getting stuff done. Now, um, Steph, you, you, we all kind of, we're going to, let's share our stories about how we sort of struggle with it and stuff. I want to start it with you. How has this, uh, balancing act or this war, I feel like, you know, in, in, in the old sort of Hindu ways of looking at things, it's like, you know, half of like creation started between this, like war between these two things that was actually like a passionate love affair. And it was like, I feel like that's what I have with the like creativity and progress. Like they're kind con- it's like chaos and order. Order. They're constantly sort of dancing and fighting and, and making love to one another and you can't tell who's winning and so you kind of have to go with both. But like what has your what has your journey with this been like? Mm, I'm sure people listening are it's going to be really an interesting one to see what kind of feedback we get because I, I know everyone has had their own unique struggle with the the trade off between that that big creative type thinking and then the more structured tasks for me. It's interesting because basically every personality test I've ever done in my life has always revealed like strength finders. My number one is strategic. Always Mm. been a very strategic person, like bigger thinking kind of person, definitely a big picture type of brain. And because of that, I I tend to enjoy building, creating, um, planning, like the just the big view, like the the creating of the map, right? And it's what it brings up for me, actually, it's funny. I, if I think back to many years ago, three plus years ago now, I remember listening to The Fizzle Show and I was on my commute to work. And I remember hearing you say, Chase, that no matter how passionate you are about your creative pursuits, eventually it becomes work. And you probably said that mm. a few times. And mm. that's what it brings up for me. I remember hearing that being like, no, that can't be true. Like there's always like, I think people imagine that they're going to build their business and it's going to involve like, 
Corbett on his hammock, like just, just thinking and brainstorming and that's your business. And that's like sort of the dream. And while there's plenty of um, opportunity to be creative in, in business, what, what ends up happening for me is the avalanche of tasks and structure consumes me after a while. Um, mm. I, I, like just the doing of things becomes every day. I mean, there's so much to do. Like building an email list, social media, blogging, podcasting, all the things that you're doing, answering emails, customer service. It's crazy. So my challenge with this has always been my, I really, really enjoy the creative big picture thinking, but I often find myself totally consumed by the minutia. And because of that, I've noticed this to be true for a lot of other entrepreneurs as well. I think what maybe what Sharon's or what we're kind of getting at in this conversation is that if you, you know, if you're, kind of looking at your week and you have like the little things that you need to get done as well as your big commitments. If you're not careful, um, all of the big creative thinking, it's the first thing that gets pushed off the list for me. It's like, I want to spend time creating this course that I've always dreamed of making or this launching of a new podcast. But when there's work to be done, you end up just kind of like chasing down all of the tasks. So for me, my Mm. experience with this has been wanting so desperately to have more time for the creativity, but finding that if I'm not super intentional about it, I don't actually ever get to it. So my experience has been the sort of war of how do I bake in pockets of time into my week where on my calendar, it's just like, hey, this time is white space. This time I get to actually just be creative, whatever that looks like for me in that week. So I have to be diligent about building it in or else I find there's just always other tasks that I I can be doing. Mm. I like that. By the way, I feel like, you know, just in terms of where our culture is, we should probably, uh, I, I think I, I mean, maybe we should move away from this concept of white space. I feel like that's a, is that a bad, is that a bad uh, way to refer to this? Is there another term I, we can come I up with? I think it's fine. Corbin? I think she was referring to a blank page. So yes, no, like right, a- exactly. No, obviously. Ob- and when design in design, we call space around any object, white space, right? There you go. Regardless of, of the color that it actually is. But you know, to, uh, it's good. It's good to, to think about your implicit our, our, bias, right? Like, is like it good? yeah, it's good. Like, like any good Starbucks right. employee has to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. No, we maybe we should just call it empty space or or space for like like you know all color space yeah. or something or like that. The the biggest space in the world, the universe, really is black, right? Whoa, black space. There you go. Well, it's dark. It's dark. It's our, I mean, is it, is it actually, I mean, is it actually the color black? Well, black is the absence of light, right? Black is the absence of light. Yeah. Oh man, it's crazy. It's, whoa, bro, that's tripping me out. All right. So, uh, and by the way, Steph uh, mentioned Sharon in there. This conversation was all started with an email that we received from a fizzler named Sharon, who Corbett was her podcast again, Do Good, Be Good, right? She has a podcast called Do Good, Be Good, and her website's over at SharonSpeaks.com. It's Sharon Tewksbury Bloom, and um, she's one of her favorite fizzlers. And uh, she sent this question in. Twice because she she wrote us once a week or two ago and then we didn't publish a podcast on the topic even though I think we said we might and uh, I'm glad yeah. she did because this is a great topic. Yeah, yeah hi, this hi is, Sharon. It, I I accidentally gave you her a shout out. I forgot we hadn't mentioned her, but I'm really glad that she brought up this topic because I think it's just so relevant to everyone who's trying to to maintain a balance between these two things. Right, and Steph, I have to say, I really resonate with this idea that I want desperately to have the time for the creativity, mm-hmm. but that, that is the first thing that gets sort of like pushed off my calendar. Yep. Because all of these, you know, Stephen Covey's 
urgent versus important stuff, right? There's always, always urgent, non-important stuff like emails or other stuff. And very rarely like actually urgent and important things. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't there actually almost never is actual urgent, important things in, in my life. There's just like important, non-urgent things that like, because even if it wasn't like fully creative stuff, this is still the challenge with planning anything with creating a facility or manifesting Anything is the long termness, the amount of time it takes, and you can do it if you can just have a rudder in the water getting you on the same line. And it doesn't matter if you're not moving very fast, if you spend enough time consciously sort of like creating in this direction by doing the things that are important to that thing, you will make progress and do that stuff. But one of the things that I think is coming up for me here is, is, uh, just how much that creativity time can feel like freedom. Do you know mm, what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like, it's really, it's kind of like freedom time in some ways that I'm craving. Maybe I'll talk about that in a little bit. But first I want to, I want to hear Corbett, like what has your interaction with this balance been like between creative time and sort of get stuff done time? I I don't naturally come to the creative part i don't think and and i guess it depends on how we talk about it and we'll we'll discuss that in just a bit but if we're talking purely about you know the the way that most of us think about creativity is this person who's able to come up with new ideas and you know it's really sort of the the brainstorming part of your mind and it's that's just not a a natural place for me i tend to get more into the task oriented stuff and and think more about getting stuff done so i have to sort of like Steph, but for different reasons, kind of force myself to get into that creative mode once in a while. And I probably don't do it as often as, maybe as often as I should. And I I think that's intentional to some degree because I know that if I, you know, afford myself a week or something to be creative or, or just an afternoon even sometimes, I can come up with ideas that would take me a lifetime to execute. And then I I end that week going, well, great. Now, what do I do with that? You know, because I can't possibly make all that stuff happen. So it's, you know, a little creativity, I think, can go a long way if you're talking about that really, truly big picture creative time. However, that, that time is really important, right? Because that's when most of us come up with the big life changing, direction changing, important, um, groundbreaking kind of ideas is when we give ourselves time to be creative. And I don't think that just happens wedged in between two tasks. It's not like you're sitting there at your desk in your normal environment and suddenly a light bulb comes on and, and you have some kind of major life-changing idea. I think that usually happens more when you're in a new setting or away from your desk or uh, not focused on you know just getting the next task done. So I know it's important to have that time in the hammock as as Steph said, or that time, you know, traveling uh to a new place and giving myself a couple of days just to uh, you know, sit by the pool and and have a notebook or something and and just express ideas and and things. I have to be careful, again, coming from the task oriented side, that I don't muddy the waters between um that truly creative time where I don't have any constraints or any sort of, um, you know, preconceived plan for that, any structure for it versus time when 
uh, I'm actually just reviewing my goals and big picture and making sure that I'm on track. I think it, it can be easy to kind of make those two feel like the same thing when, when in reality they're not because every week, you know, every Monday and then once a month and then once a quarter, I sit down and say, okay, how am I doing? Like, let's look at the goals, the big projects that I had planned. Let's take a look at those things and kind of see if I still want to be working on those and if I'm on track and so on. And that can feel like creative time, but really it's just project management time. Right. And so, Mm. so Mm. for someone like me, I think I have to um, be even more intentional than that about getting creative time on the calendar. And right now I, I actually don't have that in my, my operating system, to be honest, I don't have a place where, I, you know, just get to brainstorm and think about, well, is this even what I want to be doing with my life? You know? And, and again, I think you need to be careful about that, but it is good to check in once in a while. Yeah. This is interesting that, that concept of, of like, how am I doing and reviewing those goals? Sometimes like that, am I on track reviewing those goals can feel, can, can feel somewhat like that creative time. Like for me, there's been moments where it's like, I come back to my goals, which I hadn't visited in, in days or weeks. And, and it's like, oh yeah, dude, I'm on the right path. That's right. I do want that. Like this will be exciting to me when this, when life is working like this or when this is in my experience or something like that. Uh, it feels like a kind of creativity. Would you say that, Corbett? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially for, again, for an analytical kind of person that, that can feel like creativity. And uh, again, I think it's it's more just, just um, project management. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now, and then I'll share a little bit about, like, because I feel like as you guys are talking, we're all talking about the same sort of thing from a little bit different angles. Because one of the things that I can do is I can I can be uh, I can give myself like the longest leash in the world, and in some ways that's what my life has been just <laughs> like just trying to get like a longer and longer and longer leash to just do what I want to figure out like hey listen it something good will come from this just let me have a year <laughs> to not have to worry about anything financial and to just faff about and figure things and read weird old esoteric texts and get into this or that or the other and we'll see what comes out of it um part of me wants that uh but what i've learned now uh after you know at 35 whatever after like almost a decade of of working professionally in somewhat sort of like self-managed positions um like i realize i can i actually am kind of scared of that more than i used to be because um something that we said before we started recording is like i have to get myself focused every week otherwise i'm in outer space and it's like no i really go to outer space (laughs) <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I really can get so far off in orbit that uh, that the idea of coming back to quote work right can be really challenging. The idea of like who I can actually uh, connect with, and because I'll be I'll be living some like even right now, like it's crazy right now, you guys. Like I just make bag videos and I host a podcast and I ca- talk to my wife like every day. I'm like, are we making money? Like, is th- <laughs> are we okay? Do I have to, like, I'm sure there's more I have to do, right? And she's like, no, things are okay. And I'm like, I don't believe you. Like, show me the spreadsheet. She's like, it's not finished. <laughs> I haven't, like, I haven't been convinced yet that I can do this. And yet, I'm doing it, right? I'm, I'm mm-hmm. spending time with my shoes off outside walking on the grass because I just noticed that, that honestly, Corbett, Mexico screwed me. Mexico, you are in nature 
so effortlessly all the time. You're outside, the sun's very hot, the wind is blowing, the, the waves are crashing. And then I come back to Portland, this, this sleepy, cloudy little, um, you know, forest hamlet. And, and I like, there's, I didn't know where the nature was here. It turns out it's, it's everywhere. You just have to take your shoes off, but it's like, you're not normally doing that in rainy, you know, grassy, soft, muddy sort of space. So anyways, I can spend some time doing that. And um, apparently this is like, you know, this is kind of creative stuff for me to get into the nothingness, the like, whatever, the, 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 the white space or the empty space or whatever, right? Where it's like, dude, this isn't for a purpose. This is for sort of nourishing myself. This is for just whatever. It feels like a, like a good thing to do now. And then I sit back and go, like, what, like this morning was about what do I, a lot of my life creatively has felt like, what do I feel like making? Um, because what, what's underneath that is basically this kind of, this, this fear as a little kid that like, I'm not, I'm not very good. I'm not a good one. And so if I make something good, like then I'm a good one. You know what I mean? So there's that motivation of like, what do I want to make? But then there's this other motivation of, uh, of what would like, how can I help? You know, like who out there can I help? Like, what's the things, what's the, what's the struggles that I care about that I could make something that could help someone dealing with the, the depression that I've dealt with for so long in my life. And that sometimes just kind of like rolls right over me and I, I just get steamrolled by it. And, and I've learned how to deal with it and how to cope with it by like kind of letting it have its way with me. And then, it, then it goes away. Um, what can I make for someone to help with that? What can I make to help someone deal with this weird existential dread that they're not good enough, that they need to be better or something, that their creative work is going to save them, right? What can I do to help? This this energy, is re- that kind of direction, that kind of questioning um, has really helped to focus, like, focus my, my, my looking at this creative time in a direction that is productive, right? So to me, first of all, I want to say like, I have maybe the, the other, Corbett thinks he's not creative. He's extremely creative. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is one of the things that's really challenging here, which we'll get into in the next section, um, is, but some people clearly resonate or identify with like, I'm analytical, I'm not creative. And I, I want to say that on the other side, if you're really, really creative, it can be a real challenge to do the stuff that actually, quote unquote, uh, you know, gets work done. I almost said that actually matters because I've been doing this for so long. I've seen like hundreds of people who are just like, just hopeless creatives, right? Because there's real actual stock and actual effects and results in the getting things done and the manifesting the stuff into the world and and the sticking with a vision, setting a goal and making it happen. That There's no question about the fact that this is what makes the world of sort of like like reality kind of work and you can actually shift your reality. You can actually make things happen there. But don't forget the fact that the reason why you're doing this is to feel free, is to feel the creative energy of like, this is like the joy of being alive. And if you're just following a to-do list and a framework and you're cracking the whip and you're trying to do just whatever you need to you think you need to do you're just not going to be feeling that thing that you actually wanted to start this business to feel in the first place so to me 
both of these, whatever direction I, I always think about it as like, you know, you're coming up the same mountain. It's just some people are on this, a sunnier side than the other, right? And both of the path, both of the paths are challenging, but you're going up to the same place, right? And you're, you're, you, you gotta just accept the path that you're on to get there. So it makes me think of this next section here, right? What's the difference between creativity and strategic thinking? Are these actually the same, uh, thing or are they or are they different corbett tell us a little bit about this this sort of question because i and like why well tell us start us off with like why does why should we even ask this question well um this just came up you know in in reading sharon's original question you know we're we're making these assumptions about creativity and uh you know getting stuff done being different and I just wanted to kind of break that down and ask, what does creativity really mean? Because in this, in this word creativity, I think the, the operative part of it is create, right? It's, it's to, to create something. And, um, I think a lot of us, when we, when we talk about creativity, we immediately think of, like you said earlier, Chase, not to caricature anybody, but, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the guy wearing the beanie in the coffee shop with the journal and maybe he has long hair and a goatee. It's hard to say, but, um, <laughs> Hey, listen, I have a beard. It's not a goatee, but it does come to a point. All right. Okay. It okay. does yeah. come to a point. Yeah, You've got me there. It's good to point differences out. Uh, so, <laughs> So we immediately think, <laughs> he goes, he goes, it's good to point differences out. So <laughs> we immediately Can't think of, of that kind of creativity. We've just, we've kind of taken out the part of creativity, the, the, the part of the word that actually means to create, to do something. We've kind of just morphed that into this other thing, which is this person that is artistic in a way, right? Or this person who can come up with a lot of new ideas and, in that, that, that artistic person, that person who is able to come up with a lot of ideas, I don't think that necessarily means that that person is able to get things done, right? They're not actually, just because you come up with a million ideas, just because you're artistic doesn't mean you're actually creating something, right? And, and I think that's an important part that can get lost there. And so, I was just, you know, thinking about the difference between creativity and strategic thinking and artistic sort of unbridled, you know, free creativity versus creativity that is uh, aimed in some particular direction. You mentioned earlier, Chase, this idea of giving yourself a really long leash. And I think, uh, you know, there's a, there's another scenario where you don't have a leash at all, right? And you're just running around wherever you want. Yeah. And, and you mentioned the difference between an analytical person and a create, creative person may be just that you're walking up different sides of the mountain towards the same peak. But in some cases, I think whether you're, whether you're creative or analytical, it doesn't matter, but maybe you're not climbing the mountain at all. Maybe you're just walking sideways on the mountain because mm. you're not mm. heading in a direction that is useful or strategic or, um, you know, leading towards something. And I think that's a distinction that we have to be careful about because it can feel really good to be free and not have to think about how does, how do my actions today affect my outcomes tomorrow? It feels really mm -hmm. good just to be able to, you know, read those, um, esoteric books and things like that. But too much of that, right? is is just sort of um 
for your own pleasure, your own enjoyment. Mm, it's hard yeah. to say, however, where where you draw that line because plenty of us, and I think we'll talk about this a little later when we talk about inspiration. Um, Steph wanted to bring that up, but the the idea is you don't know where you might be thumbing through some book that somebody recommended on an afternoon, and maybe you feel a little guilty about it because you're not working on some tasks. But at yeah. the same time, uh, you don't know where you know a month uh, or a year from now you might pull from that that background material that you have percolating in your brain there and be able to use that in some sort of creative capacity. So, you know, I think that's again, where, uh, people like me that maybe, you know, and it's, I won't say that I'm not creative. I just come at it in a a very different way. And I think that I don't allow myself as much, um, inspirational source material as someone like you might chase. And I, I tend to feel more guilt wrapped up in not staying on task than uh than maybe i should allow myself to do and and just to clear those afternoons once in a while and and allow yourself to explore i think a lot of what we're talking about today is kind of dancing around this idea that we've brought up a million times because it's brilliant and that is instead of you know trying to follow your passion if you don't know what that passion is we should all be more apt to follow our curiosity and i think a lot of times Mm. that's what creativity stems from that's how you get into creative mode is by following your curiosity. And it's important, I think, sometimes to recognize when you're in the middle of task mode and you get distracted by something, quote-unquote distracted, because you're curious about something, if that thing that you're curious about is at all you know, related to your work or something that you might be able to draw on as source material in the future, sometimes that's worth pursuing because maybe it's going to lead somewhere really interesting and maybe you'll have a new idea for a new direction that'll be really important to you and your life and your business. And then other times, maybe you should put that aside because there's some really important tasks in front of you. And I, and mm. I don't know if we're going to have some perfect framework for people to follow at the end of this conversation to know when you should pursue the creativity and when you should stay on task. But really, that's the heart of this question, I think. Yeah, and I think I think it makes me want to explore into the next part here, which is really like, can you only get things done when in structured task mode, right? Or do you actually get stuff done in creative mode? And Steph, like, what's your take on this? This idea that, um, that I like what Corbett's saying, like it can feel really good to be free, but does that like sometimes we're not even walking up the mountain we're just walking sideways on the mountain just meandering around the mountain and there's something you really want in life at the top of the mountain so to speak um and the question is is what you're doing now actually going to affect your tomorrow in a significant way i think this is this is like this this great um it's like yeah that's the trapping that's the trapping of of too much quote too much creativity i think i have like an addiction to that freedom like i'm afraid of the work and i think maybe on the other side there's people who have an addiction to the the sort of the security right and uh and are are almost uh almost afraid of the of the freedom so to speak you know and and both are both are favorites, right? Both, both. You just get what you get. Like you just have what you have. But I'm curious for you, Steph. Like this question of the product productivity of creative mode versus mm-hmm. task oriented mode. Like, what do you think about about 
can you get can you be getting things done in creative mode is there a way that these two interact with each other are they mutually exclusive does one inform the other like what's the relationship between the two I definitely, personally, I definitely think there's a balance and it takes some intention to get there. So before we started recording, I I mentioned to you guys that I was kind of chuckling to myself because this whole conversation is the reason why I created my 15 minute planner method, right? Which we've talked about here on the show before. It's a method that I've used in, in my personal life with a pen and a notebook to just sit down one day a week, 15 minutes and, and map out what my week is going to look like. And as I've taken a lot of people through the experience of using this, uh, the community community has helped come up with a term for exactly what we're talking about, which is guided flexibility. And I really like that approach personally. That's like the balance I'm always trying to strike in my in my creative time, that empty space time or whatever it is that you want to call it. But I think it's important. So let's just say that you, you know, we talked a little earlier about how there are always sort of like more creative projects that all of us are backburnering, like that course that you want to create or your new lead magnet or even bigger than that. You have a book that you're thinking of creating, whatever the case may be. It gets backburnered in the daily hustle and bustle of task mode for a lot of us. So part of, I think, what's worked for me is to, like I said, intentionally set aside time. I look for pockets in my week that are not already committed and I defend those. I try really hard to like block those off because they will get booked up by, you know, people or things that I need to do if I'm not careful. So that's the first step for me personally is to actually like find the pockets and defend them. But then every bit is important is to put some guardrails into place so that, like you said, this isn't that kind of like aimless creativity. I think there's a difference between creativity that has some parameters around it. So for example, whatever, like Corbett said, whatever's piquing your curiosity right now, maybe there is a book that you're dreaming of writing. You know, you don't have to sit down with that afternoon that you have open and say like, okay, now I'm going to do this like, and really have a detailed plan of what you're going to do. Instead, what's personally worked for me is to have that chunk of time and say, okay, during this time, I'm going to I'm going to think about this book. I'm going to work on this book. I'm going to let whatever feels good related to the creation of the book. That's going to be what I do at this time. So you have the the parameters or the guardrails that say during this time I'm not just turning on Netflix or going for a walk or being too too, you know, pie in the sky. It's not just total blank space time. It's a chunk of time where the theme is my new book. So, but then it's also flexible enough where I haven't said, okay, I'm going to write three chapters during this three hours because personally I have found that then I like really will beat myself up if I don't get there. If I go down a different path, if I want to do some research or, you know, there's something that pops up in the middle of it that's worth pursuing, like Corbett said. So that has been kind of the rub for me. And I'm still very much working on this, but this idea of guided flexibility when it comes to creative time. Um, can be really magical because, again, it gives you enough of a sense of what you should be working on, uh, but enough flexibility to follow that curiosity without feeling guilty, without feeling like you're getting off track while you're doing it. Yeah, that's interesting. So, like um, now that that 15 minute creator Corbett, do we have that up on the on the site yet? I don't know if we do yet. I don't think it's on the site, but uh, Steph, you actually have it up at Courage and Clarity somewhere. Do you have a link for that? Yep, people can jump over to courageandclarity.com slash plan to grab that. Nice. Slash plan. Slash Perfecto. plan. Nice. Uh, you know, this we we mentioned before we started recording here uh, this idea that we, we have, I, I think when we talk about creativity, we think of, again, the, the creative type, the artistic type of person. 
And we kind of assume that the task oriented person isn't creative or that's, that's just kind of the, you know, the rubric that we all work from. But if creativity really means to create, then that task oriented person can be creative. And I think that that concept, uh, Steph of, um, guided, would you call it? Mm-hmm. Guided flexibility, yep. guided, guided flexibility. I love that because when we think about some of the, the most artistic types that we really respect, uh, musicians, for example, we only know those musicians because they didn't just sit around and jam their whole life. They didn't just allow themselves to be as, as free as they wanted to be at some point. I mean, sure, they did plenty of that and they probably did that for five or 10 years before, before doing the work that we know them for. But the reason that we know them now is because at some point they sat down and said, well, we need to make an album or we need to go on tour. And certainly those are very structured things, right? It, you have to book the studio time and have the songs planned out and, and actually record and get the work done. It's, it's screwing caps on bottles to some degree, putting together all of the inspirational work that you've done before to do that. And I'm sure that, you know, we've heard all the stories about the fights that break out during recording sessions and how horrible and grueling a tour can be. But again, those musicians decided that they wanted to be something more than just good at playing guitar in their basement. They wanted to be known for doing so. And and it took a combination of those things. But once they decided to make an album, for example, or to go on tour and, and to have a show every night, they still allow themselves creativity within that structured setting that creativity yep. within the album setting or within the song setting or within the particular night, we're going to arrange our set list in this way or wear these outfits and, you know, and, and do all this sort of stuff. So they're still being creative just in a, in a direction. And I think that's kind of where the magic happens when we yep. aren't so structured that we're not thinking and not putting heart into what we're doing, but we're also not so free that we're just, expending energy that's not being channeled in any particular, you know, towards any particular outcome. Yeah. I think this is very interesting and it makes me think of this, right? I think the, the, the musician metaphor is, is excellent, right? Uh, uh, for instance, we know that the grateful dead spent a lot of time taking drugs and playing music with each other and doing that in live situations where there was a lot where there was an audience there who was also taking drugs and would jam out and trip out to this music that they were creating right and it started this whole new scene of sort of like contemporary tribal weirdo music you know which we call like what what is the what is the genre for for the grateful dead fish jam band jam band right steph jumps right in hippie jam band (laughs) hippie steph hippie steph woo (laughs) <laughs> as a as a nitrous right? but there's a lot of and corbett just like real hard drug corbett steps in like all right man which vein are you gonna what corbett get that needle out of here um there but there's this there is like your corbett saying there is this there is a lot this season of playing a lot of that music live and they figure out stuff as they go i mean jazz is this great example of that i'm watching ken burns's jazz documentary which is amazing i mean it's so boring it is so boring but it's so amazing you know <laughs> just to learn because the thing is is it's not a history of jazz it's a history of of 
like uh, of African American music of like of, it's, it's like one of the guys one of the historians there he's like listen dude if if black people never did anything anything else besides blues it would be one of the most significant contributions to to the contemporary world you know yeah and anyways just get I, I've been loving that and jazz as it developed went from this like flapper jazz right this sort of thing to where the musicians got better and better and better and it became these improvised spaces you know louis armstrong strong like kind of started that but these improvised spaces right can then lead to things that you do again and again and again maybe the grateful dead played the same song a handful of times and eventually someone's like you guys got to record an album at some point the grateful dead went i only want to do this i only want to play music I only I want to make this sort of like the call of my life. Okay, so what do we have to do in order to be able to do that? Well, we've got to be able to earn money. How much money do we earn from playing the live shows? How much money could we earn from doing albums? And then that's when like, you know, Tony comes. It's like, you guys, you guys are going to be so big. You have no idea. I got a buddy. He can record us. You know what I mean? Like that's when that's when like other people start getting involved and going like, okay, we want you need to make we know about me music like we're dirtbag douchebags from the music space and we know that you can make like you can sell a lot of records and we want to be a part of helping you do that and i want a little piece of that right so people are like kind of getting involved to help them bring their thing out into the world in the form of an album or something like that so the metaphor i'm liking i'll stop there is this sense of of at some point you have to come clear with yourself about what you're really wanting from this thing what your goal is, right? And so, so you can either say my goal is to make a record or you could say my goal is to be able to support myself full-time doing this. I want to be doing this for as long as possible. Um, your goal can be like, I want to just, I want to be a successful podcaster. Well, you better define successful there, right? Which means like I have 2,000 people who listen to, to every podcast or something like that. And I publish once a week and I whatever, right? So we're getting to the, into the realm of like, so what's your goal? What do you want? So Sharon asking this question, how do you find the balance between creative mode and sort of get stuff done mode? Well, you find the balance in in relation to this third thing. It's not a two thing. It's this triangle. The third thing is what's your intention? What do you want? Well, I want to be able to worry less about money. Okay, well then find the balance of creativity and getting stuff done that gets you into the space of like worrying less about money that you want to be in, right? And I think that's where we get into some somewhat sort of sacred kind of holy stuff to me because like I don't know, I don't know what your what your soul looks like, what your woundings like, why you why why do I don't know why I want the things that I want. You know what I mean? But I want I want them. I want them. I want my life to feel a certain way. I would like for my, I'd like, I'd like these things to sort of feel this, this way. And it feels amazing when it does. And so it's like, how do I reproduce that? How do I make it more like this and less like this other crap? Cause that other crap feels kind of like unnecessary bull crap sometimes. Right. Yeah. So that's, I don't know. That's what I think about. I think about, um, this ultimate question is like, 
is uh, how do you find the balance between creative stuff and then uh, and then my wife my my child is literally my baby girl is just like screaming somewhere <laughs> like not not crying she's just like out of just like pure just like I am a child in a house yelling <laughs> this is my voice <laughs> but, and I love that I mean spending time with kids is like the, one of the ultimate creative acts because they're literal crazy people who are just like wait you're not going to be able to be employable if you keep this activity up <laughs> you know and they just they're just spitting in this face of like all of this modern culture got to get a job got to get enough money well this sort of crap and 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 i like this you know we've we've danced around or, or or talked a little bit about the difference between someone who comes from the creative side naturally versus someone who comes from the task oriented side naturally and we i think the common denominator there in both cases is that there are things that we want in life. And, and I don't think it even has to be, if you come from the creative side, it doesn't have to be that I want to be wealthy. I mean, maybe that's something, but a lot of times it might just be, Hey, I want to be able to play like 30 minute long songs on acid with two drummers and 10,000 people in front of me who are also on acid, you know? And maybe that's your goal. But in order to do that, you have to be a really good musician. You have to get the word out and you have to have enough money, you know, and people to be able to do that sort of thing. And so if that's what you want, you have to knuckle down and get sort of strategic to make that happen. Now, Mm. on the other hand, I think we've been kind of letting the, the task oriented people slip a little bit here because we're kind of assuming we talked a little bit about implicit bias before. I think we have these implicit biases that creative people are virtuous, you know, because they're able to come up with great ideas and task oriented Mm. people are virtuous because they're able to get things done. But if you're getting things done, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's in the direction that you want to go. And it also doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good enough that people are going to want that thing. Uh, and this yeah. applies especially to us as entrepreneurs. So if you're coming from the task-oriented side, don't think that, hey, I'm in the clear, I don't need to be creative because I'm able to get things done. Because if you can't get things done that other people want that are meaningful, mm. then you're not making any any good progress. And hard work, you know, I'll tell you, like, my dad worked his ass off and, uh, you know, didn't have a whole lot to show for it at the end of his career. So hard work, I don't think necessarily is uh, is leading you in the place that you want to go. And so you probably mm. need to combine the things. And I think this is where, you know, depending on which side you come from, you should study the other side and figure out how to unlock some of that in yourself to become more effective and well-rounded. Mm. Yeah. Steph, what are, you, what are you hearing over there? I think I, I couldn't agree more. I think um, I kind of was laughing a little bit to myself because I'm glad Corbett's like sort of taking ownership for the task oriented people. Cause I know Chase and I tend to lean a little bit more on the other side, but the balance here, I, that's what I just kind of keep coming back to is it's one thing that I find myself talking to people about over and over is there's, there's shame or guilt or something on either side of this conversation, right? So if you're more of the creative type, you find yourself gravitating towards your curiosity, you're not particularly organized, maybe organization doesn't come naturally to you. It does not come naturally to me, although people often think that it does. I've always struggled with that. And because of that, um, I often find myself and many, many people who identify as creative have the same thing where they feel like their way of doing work isn't as good as people who are more 
um, tactical. You know, they think, oh, I should be doing funnels and sequences and people tend to get kind of swept up and maybe I'm doing the wrong thing by going where my instincts are taking me. So there's kind of some guilt there. And then on the other side of things, for people who are a little bit more analytical, they feel like I'm not a creative, like that sucks. Like creative people are the rock stars like we've been talking about. So yes, I can bang through a bunch of tasks, but I'm not creative. Like I'm not good enough in that way. So what, what I'm sort of getting from our whole conversation so far is I, I think that it's easy to beat yourself up for whatever your natural inclination is. But what I'm finding is that this really is about a balance of both of them. It's about bringing both of these things into alignment. Yes, we all have our natural predisposition, but there's absolutely value on either side. There's value with being more on the project management side of things. And there's more, there's absolutely value in following your creativity. So I think on a weekly basis, at least for myself, I know that I'm always trying to kind of keep myself real in terms of, am I bringing both of these pieces into my work? Um, Because really you need both. So there's not one that's better than the other. There's great aspects to both. And it's just a question of how do you, how do you work with both of these things in a way that can make you feel really awesome about your work? Because that's what we're here for. Like that, like you said, Mm. Chase, the whole point of this is to be doing work that you care about. So that's what all of us got into this for. So there's no point in, you know, making it a miserable experience. It's about balancing both of these things and, and having a good time while doing it, I think. Yeah. And this makes, I mean, Elizabeth Gilbert says that fear is always triggered by creativity, right? Mm. Because mm-hmm. creativity, here's a quote from him, he says, because creativity asks you to enter into realms of uncertain outcome, right? And fear hates uncertain outcome. This is nothing to be ashamed of. It is, however, something to be dealt with. And this is, yeah. this is, uh, this really gets to the point that, uh, to an interesting point to me, because I think we're in this, you know, in this very Instagrammable felt hat, felt brimmed hat, kind of like dream catcher, uh, macrame sort of world where it's like you need to be challenging your fears and following your heart and just putting it out there and trusting the universe. Right, do, Steph. Am I, I mean, do you, do you how do you, how many me, do you see a lot of messages like that on your Instagram? You know, it, I do, but then I also see like I think it's very polarizing because I also see plenty of people who are like, if you don't have a seventeen email sequence, you're doing business wrong. So it's like totally. it really feels like it's one under the other. There's very little balance, is what I see. Totally, I think that's really well said. Really well said. And so to me, in situations like this, what we're dealing with is something that's like, it's always had these polarizing effects. It's always had these poles. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, there's no way to have an earth without the two poles, right? And those two Mm -hmm. poles create this like magnetic stuff, all this, do all this weird physics science. Like (laughs) they do all this crazy stuff. (laughs) Like I feel like there's a physics to what we're talking about. There's like a, there's like a natural rule and order of things. And, and with, when it comes to, um, what the, like what a lot of the ancient mystics called the difference between chaos and order. Chaos it has a kind of negative connotation to us, but it really is this like, it's the thing that gives life. It's the thing that creates death. It's the, it's the, it's the creative capacity of, uh, it's like the infinite creative capacity of emptiness. Like you can step into chaos and anything as possible but like corbett has said so many times you can have ideas there that you it would take you five lifetimes to to actually you know make make come to pass to actually come to fruition right and you have to ask yourself the question on the other side the order side like where's this heading 
and 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 the thing that pulls these two things together, I think of it as skis. There's always like two skis. All right. So one of them is your creativity and one of them or your chaos, whatever, your creativity. And the other one is your get stuff done, your order. And you need both of them. Right. If you've ever tried to ski down the mountain on one ski or on one leg, like you cannot get very far, even if you're really good at making the turns and doing the things the way that you're <laughs> that you're basically your quads, your thighs will just burn with holy rage about, you know, a quarter of the way down the mountain, you won't be able to make it. You'll have to stop. You'll have to. But if you do it with two skis, you can go forever. You can go forever. And so finding that balance, well, what's the thing that finds the balance there? I think it's this other part of you that's like the, the sort of direct, like if, you know, each of these, these, uh, like, so fear is like this, uh, this, actor one uh, or not fear but creativity is like actor one and order or getting stuff done is actor two and both of them are favorites like both of them like one of them's like brad pitt and one of them's like steph who's like one of your favorite actors or actresses ever mm. i don't i'm I, so bad at this game um you're Steve bad Carell. at that yeah. Steve Carell. All right. All right. So two dudes, but we're going to roll with it. That's okay. Uh, Brad Pitt, Steve Carell, right? We love them both, right? And they're great because you know all the different ways that they're so different. Um, and the director is really who you need to be creating a space where where both of them get to shine and from week to week you might favor one more than the other because that just naturally happens because you're doing this play every single damn night night you know what i mean and so that you're the director you're not steve carell and you're not freaking uh what the other guy was why can't i think of his name brad pitt (laughs) right you're not either of these these are two things that you can do that are a part of you that you can do that you need to do and that you get to do but you're also this director who has to go how are they playing on stage how is this working out how is how do i like the way this play is shaping how how the you know and so sometimes it's like dude there's way too much steve carell in my play i mean i love him he's so great but honestly what makes him so good is how he reacts to what brad pitt's doing so let's let's have a little more of this or a little less of that all right i'm going i'm getting a little flowery with my language at this point but i i think it's really important to realize that you need both of these you'll you will always have to do both of these and so the question comes again how do you find balance in these how do you find your balance in these well you're the director and you have to look at the play and you have to ask yourself if you think it's good right don't look at anybody else out there who's telling you you have to have this many email sequence or this, that, and the other. Because what you have to do is you have to come back to these first principles, which Corbett's so good at when it's like, it's like, well, what I actually want is I want to be able to make this much money. I want to have this level of freedom in my life. And that is supported by, you know, this much money. And I want it to, and I want it to feel good too. I don't want it to be a slog. I don't want it to be crappy, right? So you kind of have to make that list of what are the things that you actually want. And this is where heavy duty, the goals course inside of Fizzle comes in because Steph's course that she taught on setting your own goals, on discovering your own goals within your life already. That's what's so world changing or like, you know, it's what's so unique about this goals course as opposed to others is that this one is like, you already have these goals in you. They're floating around and they're messing with things, you know? And if you could just get clear about them, then you can get, you can understand what need, what you need, how you need to direct this play. But most of us aren't getting clear on them. It's so easy to do it. 
just take the goals course inside of fizzle and you'll get you'll instantly get clearer about what you're wanting and then that that thing will will grow and shift and change over time as you're playing the director and going like what's this like oh what if i did like this oh what's that oh i'm starting to like that oh that's interesting and then you start pursuing that flow and that's when things get really that's honestly where there's this potential there's this potential where things can get very very fun and that's the place where i want to live <laughs> frankly i'm like how do i keep it to be always in that stage <laughs> not not in the other stages you know so i don't know of all of that in closing like like uh, after my rant i don't know what sticks from there but we should close this thing out anything like like corbett what what do you have to say to the people who are who who have just listened to this whole thing one thing that we didn't touch on that uh, I've really been in trying to remind myself of from time to time is that we all tell ourselves stories. We tell we tell stories about ourselves to ourselves in our mind, right? And so you have to ask yourself, what story am I telling myself right now? And a lot of us might tell ourselves that we're not creative, or maybe we tell ourselves that we're not good at completing tasks. And I think that those, first of all, may not be true at all. Um, and secondly, you can learn to be creative or you can learn how to better organize your time and get things done. And it just takes applying yourself and studying what is creativity and how do I carve out time for that? And how do I create the right environment to allow myself to come up with new ideas or on the task oriented side, how do I structure my week and figure out what I should be working on, remind myself of those things throughout the week. And um, we have some resources for people in fizzle. We mentioned the 15 minute planner at uh, courageandclarity.com slash plan. That's a great place to get started. If you need help with, organizing your week and getting things done on the creative side. What, what do you, what do you say we have chase? Um, the 80, 20 guide to copywriting is a good one maybe to start with, because that helps you put yourself in the mind of a potential reader, visitor, that sort of thing. And I think that what, what you need to realize is that a lot of times creative people, if you work with professional creatives, people who are designers and copywriters and, and in advertising industry and things like that, people who have to be creative on demand for clients, they all have little tricks, little uh, exercises that they work through in order to get that creativity flowing, in order to put themselves in the right mood and headspace to be able to brainstorm and come up with those brilliant ideas. So it's not as if they just sit around on a couch and wait for something to come. A lot of times they start working through something and then those ideas fall out of it. So mm. either side, you can learn to be better at the thing that you feel like you lack, you feel like you lack and also just be aware that you're telling yourself some story right now and that story may not be true at all. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. so powerful to hear. Uh, Steph, anything to say in closing? Only thing I would add is just uh, in terms of creative resources at Fizzle to check out. I know you mentioned the goals course, Chase. That's at fizzle.co slash goals, but also Chase's journaling course, mm. I feel like would be really great for this as well to really tap into what you want your life to look like, cultivating gratitude, all of that stuff. I know sometimes it feels hokey and I got to be the first to admit it's the last thing I want to do on some days, but um, I find that tapping into my creativity comes a heck of a lot easier when I am feeling good in my body, in my mind. So I think that's at fizzle.co slash journal, right? Yep. That's the one fizzle.co slash journal. And that's, All that's right. it for me. 
All right, so that's it. That's episode two. What are we, 64 of The Fizzle Show. Now, all of the links that we mentioned here will be over at fizzleshow.co slash 264, all right? So fizzleshow.co slash 264 gets you all of the links that we've talked about, the goals course, the journaling course, the guides and things like that that we've mentioned. And you can also go to fizzle.co slash toolkit um, if you want to get a smattering, a good a melange, as it were, of some of our favorite uh, guides that we have made that are completely free over at Fizzle. We do it so that you can you can we can we can send you some emails throughout the the next several months that are like, hey, how's your business? What are you honestly trying to do? It's it's actually a really valuable thing to get some of these emails from Corbett, and then you have all these guides that are so useful: the audience guide, the eighty twenty sketch sheet, the business sketch template. All of that is at fizzle.co slash toolkit. All right, y'all, that is it for The Fizzle Show today. Uh, Here's that Elizabeth Gilbert quote again, which I think is so good. She says, fear is always triggered by creativity because creativity asks you to enter into realms of uncertain outcome and fear hates uncertain outcome. This is nothing to be ashamed of. It is, however, something to be dealt with. Fear is always triggered by creativity. And I'm glad you're listening to the show and that you're doing things in your life that are actively looking to maybe stir up some of that fear and to, as she says, deal with it. Because on the other side, I think it'll be worth it. Who knows? It's up to you, though. All right, y'all. Find care. Take care. Serve hard and dig in. Thanks for listening. And talk to you next week on The Fizzle Show.